Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, it's me, your barista. You know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Well, now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. And it's foaming delicious. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious. I'm Alan Alda, and this is Clear and Vivid, conversations about connecting and communicating. If you're a doctor and you have no skill, your patients will die. And if you're an entertainer and not too entertaining, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a judge and fail to make judgments because you're ill-prepared, because you don't know people, then you shouldn't be a judge. Then you're really taking the lives of people and things that are important to them and saying really doesn't matter. That's Judge Judy Scheindlin talking about more than being a judge. I think she's talking about that thing that enables any of us to communicate with someone, being able to read the other person. From what I can see, Judge Judy is superb at it, and it certainly makes her a popular judge. Her Emmy-winning television show, Judge Judy, has been on the air for 22 seasons, and for many of those years, it's been the top-rated show in daytime television. I'm curious about how she reads people and how her audience reads her. You know, what I can't, I just can't figure out is what it is at the core of your show. I know you're at the core of your show and your personality. What is it that makes it so popular? 22 years, it's number one in daytime. 10 million people a day watch you. That's the, those are the figures I've got, I've heard. Yeah, about right. So it's funny it's a great detective story. I'm trying to figure out what you're determining from what you ask, how you, how you, whether you're going to get on the right track with these people. But, but what is it? What, are they looking for justice? Are they looking for family fights? Oh, what is it? that's a lot of questions in there, Alan. You know, somebody once said that the genesis of the popularity of my program was the O.J. Simpson trial. Oh, that's interesting. And, you know, there is a very large part of our population that thought that that was one of the great American travesties of justice. Uh, I included. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, I think it just magnified that trial that sometimes a trial is 
not what it's supposed to be, which is a search for the truth and the right thing is supposed to happen at the end of a trial. You know, justice is supposed to happen. And it becomes more gamesmanship. So I always believed, even when I sat in the family court, and I lived in the family court for 25 years before I had this wonderful second career, that at the end of the day, you were supposed to leave that courthouse feeling justice was done. Mm. Sometimes justice is imperfect. I mean, if you, in the family court, if you're trying to decide whether to return a child to a mother who has completed a six-month drug program, but who has fallen off the wagon before, or to return the child to a foster home that's not so terrific, you're very often left with a Hobson's choice. So it's never perfect justice, but that the best you can do has been done that day. And I think that my program came at a time, because I'm, although I like to think that as I got older, I have shades of gray, but I'm really a meat and potatoes girl. <laughs> what, do you if mean, it's, what do you mean you're meat and potatoes? If it's right, it's right. If it, if it feels good, it's simple. Justice should be simple. But how, how can it be when you have so many factors entering into it and people are not always what they seem? But it's supposed to be. You're supposed to have the ability. If you're a judge, that's what, you, that's what your name is. If you're a doctor, you care for people. If you're an entertainer, you entertain. If you're a judge, you're supposed to make judgments. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And if, if you're a doctor and you have no skill, your patients will die. And if you're an entertainer and not too entertaining, you're going to die. <laughs> and, if, and if you're a judge and fail to make judgments because you're lazy, because you're ill-prepared, because you don't know people, because you lack the basics, then you shouldn't be a judge. Then you're really taking the lives of people and things that are important to them and saying, really doesn't matter. When you say no people, that sounds really interesting to me because I think one of the pleasures I get out of watching your show is watching you know people, reading people. You, you ask a couple of questions and I see you off on a path, right? Pretty, pretty early. Is that part of your, because of your preparation or are you getting it on in the moment? Alan, you and I are not spring chickens. No, that's that's certainly that's certainly true in my case. And we have a certain life's history, and we didn't grow up in the clouds. You know, you've been in the entertainment business for decades, but you and your wife Arlene live a regular kind of life. I remember, and I'm going to digress for a moment, yeah. I remember one of the things that I learned from Arlene that she probably won't even remember. We were coming out of the hotel where you often stay and where Jerry and I live when I'm working, and you had been there for a while, and you were carrying two very small suitcases. You were wheeling two of your own very small suitcases. And I said to her, Arlene, is that your luggage? She said, that's all I carry. She said, I wear black and white and a couple of different things that I throw in, a scarf that lend color to it. Alan does the same. And if he needs a formal outfit because we're traveling and we're going to some formal affair, he ships it ahead 
So it's there. So this is all we carry in, and it's carry-on luggage. And it inspired me. Oh. <laughs> that moment. So, you went out and bought a suitcase. I No, I bought... I bought I bought clothes that I could roll up into that suitcase <laughs> right, right. and didn't and stopped musing about what I was wearing and what I was going to look like because there comes a point where people don't really care what you wear as long as the important parts are covered. They don't want to see right. the parts that are unattractive. <laughs> right. so, I, I often th- think after I've been at a gathering and I can remember the people I talked to, I can't remember what they wore. Right. Unless they were wearing something that had cleavage down to their navel right. or a skirt up to their tonsils. Then you sort of have a memory. <laughs> you can't, of, of, kind of hard to put that out yeah, of your head. Yeah, you can't put that out of your head. But ordinarily, unless somebody is absolutely spectacular looking, you don't re- you remember what they... Anyway, we digress. Yeah, so you, we, you, you were, we were talking... I was asking um, you about reading people, people. who come before so you. I'm, I'm so... What I'm saying is it's not it doesn't start out with reading people. It starts out with the story. Uh-huh. It starts out with the common sense of things. It starts out with if something doesn't make sense, it's usually not true. Now there is aberrative behavior where something happens and you can understand it. But most things have a rhythm. Life has a rhythm to it, unless you're living in a cloud, which is how I started. I said, you and your wife live a sort of regular life. My husband and I also live a very regular life. We have normal children. We <laughs> we have grandchildren. If they go off the straight and narrow, we push them back on. We try yeah. to get them on the tracks. We live a, I have a brother who I adore. I had parents who I loved. You know, it was a normal Growing up, and I had normal experiences. So when somebody comes in to try to tell me a story or defend an action that is really indefensible because it comes outside my 75 years of experience, I begin to question it. So when I get a complaint and an answer, which is really very small from the litigants, and I look at it, and I see, for instance, and I'll give you a sad case. I see, for instance, the parents of a young man who died too soon. They had rejected him early in his life because he told them he was gay. Mm -hmm. And he had friends who were very, very close to him for years. And he wanted his friends to have certain of his possessions and gave them to him because he was terminally ill and he gave them to his friends. The lawsuit was his parents suing for the return of those items. And my sense as a human being was, and this happened a long time ago, my sense as a human being was these were people who adored this man and who made his life comfortable for 25 years. His parents, out of guilt or anger, said, you can't have that, whatever it was, a cigar humidor. Were they valuable things? No. So they were just being hurtful? They were, they said, they're mine. Hmm. Now, the law may say if someone dies without a will, 
then the next of kin inherits their property. Right, and there was no piece of paper And there saying, was no piece of paper. Yeah. The young man said, I want you to have this humidor. I want you to have this whatever it was. Well, then justice is supposed to happen at the end of a trial. And you have to make justice happen at the end of a trial. There are ways to do that. There are ways to massage the letter of the law to make the right thing happen at the end of a trial. But having to say to the, the plaintiffs in that case, you have to understand that anger is a v much easier emotion to deal with than pain mm. or sorrow. It's much easier to get angry at a situation than it is to be, become reflective and say, you know, I was wrong. Sounds like you're able to make a decision in a case like that, given the circumstances of your particular court. Was this on the show? Yes. Yeah. They, they have to sign a paper before they go in saying they have to accept your ruling. Correct. And there's no appeal. There's no... Correct. So, so you, you can ignore the fact that there was no piece of paper signed. I ignore the fact because you can either determine that a gift was made before someone died... He had actually, the deceased had actually relinquished control over mm -hmm. the objects prior to his death to his friends, and therefore the items were no longer the decedents right. at the time that he right. died, and therefore his parents had no stake in it. Um, but that's a story. That little story is not so different from so many other stories that you could probably recall of... People, the, the emotion of anger being so much easier to deal with than sadness or sorrow. It's or a very interesting observation. I, I think it's true as, as, you, as you say that. I, it, it, I realize I had never thought about that before. And if two people are facing a problem in their relationship and one of them is angry about something and the other one is hurt by the, the problem, the one who's angry really uh, can give a little more room. It's 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 a much easier for you emotion mm -hmm. to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, something that interests me a lot is that you've built on the success of the courtroom to having written a number of books that are helpful to people in everyday relationships, not having to do with fights in a courtroom and that kind of thing, relationship things, for instance. Well, understanding my roots come from the family court. Mm -hmm. And I, where I ha handled all kinds of cases, criminal cases with juvenile delinquents, uh, abuse cases, child neglect proceedings, but I also handled family cases. And remembering one very early on, before I was a judge, I was actually a lawyer at the time in the family court. And they were very middle-class people. Professional. He was a professional man. And they came to hate each other. And they had two children. But they were young. I didn't think so then, but they were young. They were in their mid-40s. And they had relatively young children. 
And the woman, they became so angry with each other that the woman made her life's work ruining his life mm. to the extent where he hated her so that despite the fact that he could pay child support, he didn't and went to jail. Oh, my God. And he was a lawyer. <laughs> and he said, I'm not paying her. Now, you were a lawyer in this case. I was a lawyer. Her, her lawyer? Yes. Yeah. Because she had no money. She said she had no money. Yeah. And she was a college-educated woman who could have gotten a job and then had money. But it was her mission to destroy him. And so they, it taught me a very valuable lesson. And I've said it often. You have to love your children more than you hate each other. Mm. When you first got together, you loved each other. And when you had children, you didn't, you didn't have the children for the purpose of making their lives miserable. There was joy in all probability, because you did it more than once. There was joy. There was happiness. There was the hope that your children would have a happy childhood and a fulfilling adult life. And then... You put them in the middle of this war, which they had no part in creating. And so not only are you depriving them of parents, but you're depriving them of childhood. So that impacted me. That case impacted me. It impacted me actually through my own divorce, mm -hmm. which I had after I was married for 12 years and had a couple of children. And it's very easy to get angry. Yeah. Because anger is a much more difficult, much easier, excuse me, emotion to deal with. He did this and he did that. How about it just didn't work? It, it always seems to me, I don't know how you feel about this, it always seems to me that that kind of anger you're talking about can diminish to some extent if you have a glimmer of what the other person is feeling and if it matters to you what they're feeling. If you listen a little bit, maybe you'll understand more. If you listen to your mate more, mm -hmm. if you say, okay, I'm going to take a breath, and I know we're furious with each other, we'll take a time out, we'll walk around the block, come back, tell me how you feel. That's how you communicate. You may disagree with it. You may disagree mm -hmm. and say that's... You know, I, I don't see the logic in that. I don't see the worth in that argument. But I've listened to it and then reject it. The question, I guess, is what happens when you do listen, but you just can't accept the other person's point of view? Is just having listened enough? I'm interested in what Judge Judy has to say about that. We'll listen to that right after we listen to this. Hop, hop, hooray! Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? In a fast-paced world, Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. 
For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. This is Clear and Vivid. I'm Alan Alda. And now back to my conversation with Judge Judy. You think there's a point in a relationship where it's still possible to care about how the other person feels and a point sometime later where you say, yeah, I see how you feel, but I'm too interested in my anger. And the way I feel is I don't care that much about how you feel. Or I've been hurt too badly. Yeah. Or I really don't. I really care for you. You you know, like I like to say, let's get real. (laughs) Yeah, right. A guy has a girlfriend, and his wife hasn't done anything wrong. It's much easier to get mad at, you know I don't like my steak well done. You know I don't like starch in my collars. So he's finding these things out because he's married and has a girlfriend on the side. So little things like his steak get to be important. The anger is a much more, you know, I was watching TV and and you were inside talking on the phone loud. You were so inconsiderate. Yes, you're inconsiderate. That anger is a much easier thing for most people to live with than, you know, I'm doing something wrong and I really feel badly about it. It's much easier to blame somebody else. So if you care how they feel, and maybe the situation isn't as stark as being guilty about what's happening on the side, but if you care about what they feel, do you find that that's, in in the people that you talk to in your own experience, because you've, you've reflected on your own life, do you find that that is enough to help you settle the, the 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 wreckage in a relationship. Sure, if you have that special thing that you can't quite put your finger on. What what special thing? You know, some kind love, of love love thing. Love thing. The yeah. love thing that you can't yeah. quite put your finger on. But people love each other and they curse each other at the same time. Oh yes, bitter. So can you get past that? Do you think with a kind of negotiating style or is it do you have to drop negotiations it is do you what do you think is effective negotiating or just going straight to i i really love this person i got to <laughs> concentrate on that i think that if you really in your gut love a person whether it be a friend or a mate mm-hmm. or a parent and I think you can learn, learn negotiating skills. Mm. Some people don't have to learn them. They come naturally. My sort, I do that at work, whether you see it or not. I'm really negotiating because I want to bring you along with where I'm at. So I use a lot of different tricks to do that. I well, use this is, this is great. Like what? what? What are some of the tricks? I, if I'm delivering a message that you really don't want to hear, I deliver it with a little self-deprecation and a little humor. Mm. 
And I'll draw an outrageous analogy so that you will see that the position that you take is really ridiculous. I'm going to give you this example. This perfectly lovely young man in his late 30s, perhaps early 40s, was at a Christmas party. It was a lovely Christmas party. He was there and also in attendance was the plaintiff and her mother. And the plaintiff had a little three or four pound Yorkie. Mm. And this man, I don't know if he had anything to drink, it's really not relevant, but he bent down and he scooped up the little dog. It doesn't sound like it's going in a good direction. Right. And he dropped the dog. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. If I see if I were on the, on the bench, it wouldn't be good because I'd be laughing, laughing. at this no, point. No, no, no. You wouldn't be laughing because the little dog was there with a cast on its leg. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> little it's tiny getting cast. funnier. Wait a <laughs> and he said, I'm not responsible. His position was, I'm not responsible. He dropped the dog. dog. He said... I picked the dog up. First, she shouldn't have had the dog at a party with so many people. That was his first. So it was, again, her fault. fault because she brought the dog. And he couldn't help picking it up. And then he said, the dog squirmed out of my arms. Mm -hmm. So it was the dog's fault right? because it squirmed out of my arms. So he's last in line for responsibility. <laughs> and she took the dog to the vet. And the vet bills so far were $9,000. Oh, my God. You know, once you have a pet, yeah. you don't say, well, the bills are going to be $9,000. No, Put no. the dog down and I'll spend no. 500 and go buy another one. You do whatever is necessary to save the pet. So the woman had a child there with her, young Thank child. Thank God he didn't pick the kid up. Kid up. Well, I said to him, I said, well, would your feeling be the same, would your situation be the same if you picked up her little girl and dropped her little girl and she broke her leg? He said, there's a difference between a person and a dog. A dog is a thing. Right. So then I thought and I said, well, let me ask you this question. Let us assume that you are correct. Most jurisdictions think of dogs as chattel. They're property, real property, like a table or a cup. I do not. I'm an animal lover, so I think that an animal has a soul and it, it can be sad and it can be happy. So it is more than just a cup. But let us assume, sir, that you're right, that it's just a thing. What if you've picked up a crystal vase <clears throat> that belonged to her that turned out to be wet and it slipped out of your hand is it the vase's fault it slipped out of your hand <laughs> and are you responsible for the vase for the cost of the vase for whatever it is to put it back did to you your... get him to come around i got it so that he so that he accepted it uh, yeah and he wasn't as resistant because whatever argument he gave me the child squirming, the vase slippery, I was able to say to him, it's your fault. That's what we have to get to. It's your fault. So while he may not have loved the decision, he didn't say, well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he accepted it. 
So what, how do you apply that in, say, a relationship? Is it, is it ever a good idea to say to somebody, you're wrong when you do that? Or, or is it important to do that? I think that you have to know who you're talking to. Yeah, yeah. Some people can accept criticism. If you reason with them, you say, mm-hmm. this is the wrong thing to do. This is why it's the wrong thing to do. Some people don't accept criticism, even if it's not coming from a bad place. And that's, and sometimes that's because they were criticized as children. They don't have a good feeling about themselves. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. some people don't accept criticism well and will sort of turn a deaf ear to criticism. So as a negotiator, yeah. you don't come in like a bullet bullseye, right. yeah. you come around them tangentially. <laughs> you so know, you're like reading the, the person. You're, you know, you're, like the cats on the roof, you know? Yeah, that story, I know, I love that, that story. That story, yeah. the cats on the roof. People may not know it. I'll say it quickly. Guy's a traveling salesman. He calls home. He says, uh, how's, the, how's everybody in the family? The brother says, everybody's okay. The cat died. Why does the cat die? I love Fluffy. What do you mean the cat died? He said, well, he died. That's, he, break it to me slowly. Tell me the cat's on the roof. Then tell me the cat fell off the roof. He's not feeling well. Then build up to it and tell me he died later. He says, okay, fine. I'm sorry. So he calls up a week later. He says, how's everybody in the family? He says, well, grandma's on the roof. <laughs> yes. So, that, so you got to build up slowly. You got to build up slowly. Yeah. And, and know who you're talking to. Yes. You have to know you, not everybody is the same. I love I love the the humor in your in your show and in your writing. It's it's terrific. You were talking about a woman who was living with somebody but not married for 21 years, and you said uh, a test drive shouldn't last the life of the car. The car the right. Car shouldn't wear out the car. Right. So so you think it, are you distressed by the low rate of marriage increasingly? Am I distressed by it? No. I don't think about it. Mm. I think that you're very fortunate to, if you found a mate that you can live with for decades and still get a kick out of. Yeah, yeah. That's that's wonderful. But if you can't, I don't dwell on that. I, I've said to my children and I've said to a lot of people, listen, they put erasers on pencils for a reason. If you try it, and it doesn't work. Children are better off in a peaceful house than in a house of war. But you said an interesting thing that I had never thought of before. They have a court system for people who separate, who are married, but there's no court system for people who separate, who aren't married. Right. And if you're just living together and you're Eggs are scrambled in a way. Very hard to unscramble them. Well, that's why. Who's going to help you do that? Well, I've always said, you know, don't make things difficult for yourself. If you're doing a test run, don't sign a lease, don't buy a timeshare, don't buy a house together, don't buy a car together, don't buy a dog together. Because I have limited patience for trying to extricate 
what's reasonable and what's fair from this. Well, I put in $6 and he put in $8 and now you're coming to me and I've had seven years of postgraduate work and you want me to figure out who's going to get the extra 50 cents. We really don't care. The court system (laughs) is busy. Yeah. I don't care. And I've said that to people. I've told you, don't sign a lease together. Get an apartment. Get an apartment that each of you can afford if it doesn't work out. You know, it's very hard to live with somebody. The idea that you can ask somebody you're considering to live with to ask them to put it all down in paper in advance seems like a good idea, but it seems hard to accomplish. It is. It's like a prenup. Yeah, and it's like saying, I I really care for you and this is going to be great, but here's my doubt on paper. Well, do you feel the same way about a prenup? Well, I, I never actually thought about it. When I got married, I had nothing. She had nothing. So right. our prenup was built in. Right. Me too. Yeah. But I do think that if 51 or 52% of the marriages in this country fail these days, yeah. that is a far greater percentage than having your house hit by a hurricane yeah, or a tornado. Right, right. And you have insurance for that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, having, or having a fire. There is no insurance for a failed marriage, is there? There is no insurance for a failed marriage but for a prenup. You're talking about financially. I I see what you mean, yeah. That's insurance. Yeah. That says, right now we love each other, but before we met each other, I made $2 million that I put away Mm -hmm. and had a house. And before we were married, you had a car, but you didn't have a house. If we're married for a couple of years and it doesn't work out, I don't want to share my house with you. Mm -hmm. I love you now. A prenup only comes into existence when people aren't getting along. If they are, it doesn't matter. You think it, you think, I, I see you hesitating. No, I'm, th- I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the complications that, that come into any relationship as it, ta- as it goes on in time. And there are the unspoken things. Uh, you hurt my feelings that day, so I'm entitled to one room in the house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that, that kind of crazy thinking, that is almost unavoidable. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think that agreements between married people, people who are contemplating marriage, I think it's difficult to raise things that we couldn't imagine Actually, Alan, because we had nothing Mm -hmm. and you were in love and it was romantic and you just wanted to be together and snuzzle and hold each other. And the rest of the stuff was irrelevant because you really didn't have anything. But in the same way, you I can't imagine saying to a mate and I know everybody does it now. uh, Could we get tested before we have sex. <laughs> and I want to see it. Yeah, I'm right. I don't want you just to tell me I, about I'm, it. Not, I'm not interested in what you tell me. I want to <laughs> see the paper. So <laughs> is, is, is that, does that sort of put a damper on things? I don't know, but there's uh, maybe a dose if they of both, reality. If they both feel that way, if they're both realistic enough, I could imagine it wouldn't. Wouldn't, wouldn't well, put a damper. But it's reality. Yeah. Most people, when we married, that we knew, had nothing. Right. Uh, my age, nobody had anything. I mean, my best friend who, were, who was really comfortable didn't have a dining room set. <laughs> she ate on a 
little bridge thing with her husband for two years until they saved up for an appropriate dinette set. And they had money. So we didn't know people who had acquired wealth. Yeah. So it would be something that I probably would find difficult. And when I was growing up, you either got out of your house in a white dress or a pine box. You didn't go away with somebody for a weekend. You didn't go to Fire Island. You didn't go. I mean, I said to my parents when I was 19 or 19, I want to go to Grossinger's alone with a friend for the weekend. And my father said to me, if you want to go to Grossinger's, we'll all go. <laughs> and we did. Yeah. yeah. There, there was much more c- so connection among that, the family members. Right. So that not only connection, I wouldn't, th- that's, that was my sexual experience. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't dawn on me to say to somebody that I met, I'd like to see your test. <laughs> but we talk more now, don't we? I mean, I remember um, a line in one of your books where you said, I think it was your grandparents who had two two modes of speech, silence and yelling. Yelling, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, that sounds like the old days in the old country more than now. I think people talk more. They might talk more with bitterness, but they talk, there's a little bit more back and forth between people, I would imagine. I think that that's true. I think that we're very into that. That got started with, you know, yoga and Montessori and feelings. I mean, it's also true, Alan, that people's feelings, people pay more attention to their feelings depending upon their geography. What do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean? I find people in California deal a lot with feelings. Uh. People in, I don't know, the Midwest, either it's yes or no. I don't want to say, I don't want to hear, well, that hurt my, that really hurt my feelings. I mean, I hear little kids, five, six years old, say, well, you yelling at me hurt my feelings and you're not supposed to hurt my feelings because if you hurt my feelings, I'll grow up feeling badly about myself. <laughs> what? Got, Get over there. They got the Get. whole line of talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's this whole line of, <laughs> I, had a, I had a case in court and it was a young woman from Beverly Hills who was stopped for speeding. By a police officer. Yeah. And police officers in Beverly Hills are uniformly polite, you know, and they have these recording devices. Anyway, she was speeding and he stopped her, and she was clearly a girl who was attached to her father and who had been pampered. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I don't know what I was thinking. Would you just speak to my father? Oh well. Not a, good, not a good approach. And my father, he used to be a police officer. He wasn't be some sort of an officer. And the cop said, I don't want to speak to your father. I want your license and registration. And he gave her a ticket. She went to his precinct to complain about his rude behavior. <laughs> it's now rude to catch somebody breaking the law. It, his rude behavior. For, and he sued her. Because even though he was clear of any wrongdoing, they opened up a case. He was wrong. And I questioned her. And her response to me was, well, because I played the tape. I said, there's nothing wrong with this tape. 
he said, give me, give me your license and register. She said, the way he said it made me feel bad. Mm. I said, why? The feeling was, <gasps> for me, and I'm a Brooklyn girl, I don't much care about your feelings. You take the ticket, you give them the license and registration. If you're interested in feelings, I, you're living in a great place. I think that the feelings become more intense depending geographically where you live. Well, also the situation, what the cast of characters is. It's probably not a good idea to expect a police officer to worry about your feelings, feelings. if you've just gone through a red light. Right. It was <laughs> ridiculous. But she and her father. Her father joined her, her in this attitude? Her father was there. Really? Her father was there. And I said, are you mad? I, I don't understand. You came from the same. He said there were ways to say things that are more palatable. And even though his words themselves were not oppressive, there were ways to say it that should have taken into consideration how nervous she was. Uh, I had, had a friend who uh, taught at the police academy in New York for years, uh, training police to deal with cases where there were situations where they're brought in to cope with either a family argument or to how to deal with somebody who's mentally unstable. And the family argument episode was so interesting to watch because they were asked to come in, ask for a glass of water, not, not display authority, and in some cases take off their gun belt and hang it on the chair as a show that they're coming in as a person and not as a threat. And apparently that training w was very helpful. I, I think it probably is helpful. The same way as we were speaking before, that there are negotiating skills mm. that you can learn, parenting skills that you can learn. Some people do it naturally, and some people have to be taught. Right. And there are some people who are unteachable. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you with the electrodes. Yeah, right. There are some people that are unteachable. Um, so, I don't know. I think that you can try to teach. depends upon your psyche. You have to be receptive to being taught. Yeah. Well, and then you, you kind of have to get to that point where you're— you, you're both willing to enter into this dialogue. Dialogue. You're both this, willing, you're both to, willing yeah, to dance together. Yeah, and that happens less frequently. Yeah, because people become entrenched in a position. People become entrenched in a position, and unless you're prepared to have a civilized dialogue and open up a little bit, you will continue to be entrenched in your position. That usually is not helpful. Well, I've enjoyed this civilized dialogue with it's you. It's fabulous. And, I'm, and I think I'm a little less entrenched in my position having <laughs> talked with you. We usually do this thing where we ask seven quick questions. Okay. And, and hope for seven quick answers, just, just off, off the top of your head. And it's kind, okay. of, kind of is fun. Then, then I think you might enjoy them. Okay. Number one, what do you wish you really understood? I wish I really understood... How a computer works. Okay, two. What do you wish other people understood about you? Nothing. I think they know about 
me is about as much as I want them to know. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay. What's the strangest question someone has ever asked you? What a look on your face. You're really ranging over your I whole don't, life. I don't know. I can't think of a strange question anybody ever asked me. That's the most interesting answer I've had yet. That's really interesting. I can't think of a strange one. How do you stop a compulsive talker? I say, order already. You know the menu. <laughs> How about this? Is there anyone that you just can't feel empathy for? I cannot feel empathy for an animal abuser. Uh, there's no, no reason. No, no yeah. reason for that person to live. Yeah. Wow. Now, what about bad news? How do you like to deliver bad news? In person, on the phone, or by carrier pigeon? A carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> you, you deliver bad news every day to people <laughs> right, on television. What, what, if anything, would make you end a friendship? Dishonesty. Mm. It's great. Thank you so much for being here It's been today. a joy. I really have enjoyed talking Me with too. you. Me too. This has been clear and vivid. At least I hope so. My guest today was my good friend Judith Scheinlin, who the rest of the world knows as Judge Judy. Judy is the presiding judge on the Emmy Award-winning Judge Judy, the number one court show in daytime television. And after two decades on the air, her program continues to average 10 million daily viewers, making her one of the best-known TV personalities of all time. Beyond TV, Judy is a best-selling author. The titles of her books are as funny and memorable as she is like her first book called Don't Pee on My Leg and Tell Me It's Raining. The book has a serious purpose, showing us how family court often fails in its mission to repair shattered families. Other books by Judy Scheinlin include Beauty Fades, Dumb is Forever, Keep It Simple, Stupid, You're Smarter Than You Look, and children's books, Win or Lose by How You Choose, and You Can't Judge a Book by Its Cover. Both of those books designed as tools to help parents communicate better with their children. In 2013, she published What Would Judy Say? A Grown-Up Guide to Living Together with Benefits, the first in a series of books based on her website, whatwouldjudysay.com. You can watch Judge Judy each weekday, so check your local listings for channels and time. This episode of Clear and Vivid was produced by Graham Shedd with help from our associate producer, Sarah Chase. Our sound engineer is Dan DeZula. Our tech guru is Allison Costin. And our publicist is Sarah Hill. You can subscribe to Clear and Vivid for free on Apple Podcasts. For more details, visit alanalda.com or follow me on Twitter at, at alanalda. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Clear and Vivid. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.
Next in our series of conversations, Renee Fleming, the international opera star on the joy of spontaneity and variety. I take what someone else created and interpret it to the best of my abilities. I'm always searching for something new. What if I held that note a little bit longer and then pushed off so I, you know, it's like leaping into the pool. This is what I'm doing and it's endlessly fascinating. I don't get bored singing the same thing. Or doing the same thing. Renee tells me about her new experience doing eight shows a week on Broadway and her collaboration with the National Institutes of Health on the healing power of music. Next time on Clear and Vivid. To listen to these conversations, subscribe now for free on Apple Podcasts. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.